Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Club. This is the place everyday real estate investors gather to share their best stories, biggest insights, and favorite tactics to grow a portfolio of cash-flowing properties in today's market. Here's your host, Gabe Peterson. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. Again, we are on the road. This is the second podcast, so I appreciate everybody's patience with me down here in sunny California. And, uh, you know, we we roll with the punches here in real estate. So we're, we're continuing the podcast going forward. Today, we have a very special guest in Victor Bell. He is a multifamily master. Um, he's coming at us from California as well. So we're in the same state. I know California is pretty large. So are you guys saying that we're near? You know, we're not. Uh, but Victor, thank you very much for hopping on the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, I told you before we got on here, we like to start with stories. Uh, we like to hear how people got to where they are. So I'm sure you got a good one. Why don't you take us back to the beginning? How'd you get started in real estate? Wow. Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, when I got started in real estate specifically, well, a little bit before that. So I left home when I was pretty young. Um, parents split up when I was young and then, you know, kind of dual households kind of bouncing back and forth. Uh, and then I joined the military um, after I got out of high school. And I'm shortening a lot of this, <laughs> but um, got out of the military and then, you know, went to college on the free money for like one semester. And they were like, hey, if you come back. You're going to owe us money. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. I didn't know I had to actually pay attention there. So, <laughs> uh, so you know, I, honestly, I money kind of ran out because it was free. And then I, I got in trouble um, and I was on probation and I had to get a job. Mm. And while I was at that job, um, I was working at a place called Hatco Circuits in Austin. Everyone hated their job. So either people <laughs> had been there for 10 years and they hated it or people were like me, brand new, and they hated it. But I had to be there. So, um you know, driving home, I would, you know, driving back to work because I worked nights. I end up falling to sleep, you know, um, going to Austin oh, and, uh, and off the side of the road. And I was like, OK, <laughs> something's got to change. Yeah. So the next day when I went to work, I ended up going to a bookstore and I saw a book on the uh, on the shelf. And it was like fast cash with real estate by Ronald Grant. And I, okay. I was like, oh, OK, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to do that. It makes sense to me. And um, I read that book and. You know, long story short, that first year I did a million two in deals. Damn. I, I didn't know what I was doing. This was in like the late 90s, maybe like, well, mid 90s, 96, 97. Um, so that's my start. Um, that That's how I got started. So literally people just kind of helped me, you know, because I was literally like, you know, took a page out of the book, the script, you know, cold calling, you know, for sale by owners on the phone. I didn't understand market cycles at the time. I didn't know what was happening. But out of all those deals that I did, there was like one house in there and the rest of them were multifamily. They were like duplexes, triplexes, an eightplex, a 16 unit, things like that in there. So I kind of cut my teeth not knowing what I was doing, not understanding leases or incomes or nothing. So, you know, fast forward, you know, years later, you know, I had moved to Hawaii because I was stationed in Hawaii in the military. And it was kind of one of those deals like, you know, I think everyone says it. If I knew then what I know now, I would do it yeah. different. <laughs> so when I got back to Hawaii later, I was like, oh, wow, I'm going to do real estate here. So I did a lot of real estate in Hawaii. Um, my strategy for doing real estate, you know, because I did res I do residential and multifamily, but multifamily is for my real estate fund. Um, I do pretty houses. You know, I don't, I'm not the guy that likes to do construction work, hence why 
you know, <laughs> you know, I'm a negotiator and I kind of negotiate. The deals. <laughs> I feel so, like uh, a lot of us uh, investors kind of learn the hard way that we're now supposed to be swinging a hammer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. After a bunch of roaches kind of, you know, you open a drawer and roaches jump out and you're like, oh, my God. Like you're like, all right, this isn't, you know, what we wanted. So, you know, doing all those deals in Hawaii, the deals that work the best for me will always multifamily deals. Hawaii is a really, really tough market. Like, you know, it's kind of like a other side of the world, New York. Like if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere story. <laughs> and uh, but I did really well there. Um, you know, a little bit was the market. A little bit was just my drive. Like I'm pretty driven, you know, and again, this is a full time thing for us. Probably like for a lot of investors when they get started, it's, you know, it becomes their occupation. They They put everything into that. So uh, four years ago, though, you know, we sold our last apartment buildings. Uh, we had a partnership ended. We had been in those deals, like a, a portfolio of, of multifamily deals. And we made a lot of money. Um, and then all of a sudden it was like radio silence. So I was like, wow, what do I do now? And I started looking for bigger deals. And um, they just weren't, you know, they weren't in Hawaii. That market's a little different. A lot of the deals have been, you know, traded, condo converted, things like that. And um Told my wife, you know, we had a situation that happened with it. You know, I was negotiating on a deal and I got off the phone. I was like, hey, you know what? We're moving. And um, and we're like, hey, we're going to go to California because I saw the opportunity there. When I hit California, I was like, California's market for multifamily is 10 years behind where Hawaii is. Right. Yeah. And, you know, all the metrics are the same. Demographics, boundaries are the same. Even the taxes are ridiculous. Everyone talks about the taxes. And I'm like. This is a light Tuesday in Hawaii. This is the same. <laughs> you, you haven't been to Hawaii, buddy. <laughs> so, so and I'm like, wow, this is great. Um, so, you know, that's that's why we came here. So we can get into bigger opportunities, bigger transactions, you know. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of the short story of how I started into why I'm doing what I'm doing now. So right, and it's man. been really exciting. A lot of lessons, a lot of lessons and a lot of great opportunities. Yeah, man, it's, uh, you know, I love your story because it's that you have so many, um, well, first of all, the way it starts, you know, so many investors, when we get started, we we start because our backs are up against the wall. Uh, It sounds like you were, you were in that same situation in a job you didn't like, you had that, that kind of come to Jesus moment in the accident. Um, What kind of, what brought you, I know we're going back into the story a little bit here, but what, uh, what brought you to real estate originally? Did you say you were reading, reading books about, um, you know, real estate investing, that kind of stuff? Yeah. Well, when I was, when I was working at that job, um, you know, when I kind of ran off the road there and then I went back, I was like, you know, I got to do something else. So um, there was a guy there that did like, you know, disc duplication, like back in the day where you had to have like a burner, you know, the stuff like that. So he was like, yeah. And I was like, you know, why don't you let me kind of take that over? Like, let me see what I can do. You know, and he hadn't did anything with it. And I ended up landing a couple of jobs. So we did the jobs while we were at that job and we made some money or I made some money for him. And he was like, you know, okay, yeah, you know, that was cool, but he didn't want to keep on going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that was kind of big for me. Cause I was like, okay, I got to do something else. So it was just this drive. And finally it was like going to the bookstore. I was like, there's something in here I can read. Like I'm a, I mean, you know, I, I'm one of those, I'm a guy that if I take on a little bit of information, I like things really simple. I'll just take it and run with it. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was kind of it. So within there, and I think this is important to share with people. And it, you know, like in the beginning when I read that book, I negotiated in the newspaper uh, somebody to sell me a property, which was the one house out of that portfolio of deals that we did. Same seller, um, and the guy said yes, and I was terrified. I was like, oh my gosh, like I don't have the money. I don't know what to do because this wasn't the time when people were 
assigning contracts. This was somebody tie up a property and have to go find the money and fix it. Right. So I, I cold call all of the people in the book also said, call like mortgage companies and stuff and ask them, do they have like, you know, you know, REO departments and, and stuff like that. So I cold call, this was back when the phone book was thick and it was in Austin, Texas. I called all the mortgage companies in the phone book and I got all the way from the A's to the S's before somebody actually was like, you don't know what you're doing, do you? Come to my office. And uh, he what, became, what gave it away, man. <laughs> yeah, I was, he was like, how'd you even get this number? And I was like, the phone book. <laughs> so I, 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 he actually called me into his office. He was a speaker and they sold notes and stuff like that back in the day. They had a mortgage company and they were kind of a traveling education company with Ron Legrand just so happened. So he kind of taught me the ropes of like, hey, here's what you're doing right. And here's what needs to be adjusted. And he was like, oh, by the way, maybe I can find a partner for you to fund these deals that you did. So that was kind of my segue into it. So to your point, you know, I thought it was important. You know, that's also important to share. It wasn't just a book. It was also like I, I, I set on this other path. Like, what can I do? And then I had some success, but I found a partner and he didn't want to keep going. But I did. Yeah. Um you know, and real estate's kind of one of those deals where there's always someone out there that's willing to, you know, find a deal and the other partners usually willing to put up the capital or raise money. And um, I didn't really know what I was doing at the time that that was how it works. You know, yep. and that's on the big level to the small level. Yeah. And I think another really important lesson in that in that story is that you didn't have the answers. Um, and, and everybody, especially when you're just getting started, I feel like that's something you really need to keep in mind is that no matter what you're doing, when you just do the, when you do it the first time, you're not going to know how to do it. Um, you may know, just, you know, like you said, you may know the outline of it. You know, the next step is to do a syndication, but you don't know how to do that. It doesn't matter. You just need to take the next step in the line, um, you know, of the tasks that need to be done. And, uh, you know, the path will kind of create itself in front of you. And I like that about your story is that you took action you went forward. You didn't know exactly how to do it, but you got it done just by taking action itself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so to that point, and I found this to be true, too. So like really some higher level players that I actually know that, you know, have thousands of units, you know, or, you know some of my friends, they didn't know what they were doing either. And sometimes when you ask like now, it's like, how do I do this? They're like, oh, man, I don't know. Like they're honest, like they don't know, but a lot of people think that somebody truly does have the answer. And a lot of it is putting one step in front of the other and you keep walking. And as you bump into something like, Hey, you need this, you know, or yep. ask like, what do you guys need for me? So I can go get it. And just yep. being honest with people, if you don't have yep. it, you know, just like, I'll go get it though. And, and that's, that's probably important. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to have, um, have your mentorship group, have, you know, the people that you can reach out to because you're not going to know the answers, but someone will. Um, if you, if you run into a roadblock at any point along a specific deal, along your career, you can reach out to whoever's in your group. Um, and somebody's going to give you some good feedback that will, you know, illuminate that next step in the journey. So love to hear that from you. And it's awesome. You know, you did 1.2 million deals in the first year. Uh, you said you weren't wholesaling. Was that um, flipping? What were you doing there? I held them. Oh, yeah, wow. So okay. we, yeah. So we held them and then, you know, raised the rents and eventually they sold um, off, but I kept yeah. doing that. Nice. So yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the bigger picture was the house that I got inside of there was the first thing to go because it was vacant, <laughs> right? You know, and all, multifamily stuff. I was like, oh wow, these things, you know, they they kept paying every month. Um, 
so yeah so it wasn't flipping later it was you know the it was it started getting introduced as more knowledge more information over time as real estate kind of took off at least for me was like hey you can assign a contract yeah um, we call them assigning contracts at the time not flipping right. i did a few of those uh, but i didn't know it then but now looking back the market tanked mm. So some of the stuff that, you know, we were doing, it was like, I kind of stuck to subject to deals. I and mean, these are residential when I did residential uh, subject to deals with selling them on a lease option, which is still rentals. And then, you know, eventually they got cashed out or I resold them. So, but the multifamily stuff, we just held on to them. They were always like, I hate selling any multifamily property. Like that's our, me and my wife talk about all the time. Like we'll never sell again. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, big difference. Yeah, and that's actually I want to um, kind of hone in a little bit on that because I've struggled with that same uh, question with my own portfolio. I do self storage, um, and so the smaller self storage facilities, I I'm always on the fence. You know, they're doing well, they're making money, especially when they're the really small ones. When you go under ten thousand square feet, um, you know they'll make two to three thousand dollars a month. But you have to. I always ask myself, like, is that worth it? And should I just sell it? Um, and so it sounds like in your mind, you just, you like to hold it no matter the size, uh, if it's, if it makes money, then you like to keep it in your portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. So like what I like to do ultimately is find a deal and then look around and be like, Hey, could I buy this deal next to it? Could I buy this? Could I control mm -hmm. rent on the street? Yeah. Uh, no, but to your point, like when we sold our last couple of apartment buildings and stuff like that, they were smaller. And we had a good concentration in that area. We were kind of controlling the rents and we knew all the other owners around. But um, moving here, I was like, we cannot go to that size again. That's kind of one of my new rules of growth. You know, naturally, you don't start a fund to turn around and buy, you know, a 20 unit, 30 unit apartment building. So, you know, now in this type of market, knowing what I've seen 10 years ago, we're like, hey, look, you know, it doesn't make sense to go to smaller deals. They have to be at least double the size of anything that we've ever owned. and um, the quality of the asset that we have needs to change right now. So, which is, you know, hence the fund. And, you know, and again, just like the book, I, I didn't start off in finance. You guys heard me say, I, you know, they were like, don't come back to college. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, it, it, it came from like, I needed to learn how to also, you know, I've been raising money forever, but it's like, how do you put this together? And then what kind of assets are going to, you know, be the right assets for what we're doing. So to your point, you know, what you, you know, when you have small deals and you have a good education behind, you know, the operations and what it takes to kind of manage, sometimes it's good to bundle those up, sell them and roll that money into a bigger asset and then let that become the new portfolio and, and cycle out every 10 years or so, you know, just like every big player does, you know, they don't hold those deals forever. It's like 10 year cycle, pay their investors back if they hadn't already, and then roll into the next bigger asset class, you know, which is why smaller investors that get started, if they stay there too long, they end up getting, they get it wiped out. You know, they have yep. 800, you know, really small properties, you know, sub the, the section eight properties, things like that. They hold them and then they try to pass them to their kids. And their kids are like, we watched you argue with tenants. We don't want that. <laughs> I want no part of that, dad. Thank right. you very much. Yeah. So to your point, yeah, you know, that that's my thought, like taking a look at your portfolio, just like any other person and going, okay, what no longer fits for who I am today? Mm -hmm. Right. If I got hit in the head today and forgot everything I knew and I had to leave this to my wife, would she want a two thousand dollar check or is it more beneficial to cash out of this? Take a couple of hundred thousand dollars off of the table and roll up into something that, you know, that'll get us into something bigger. Yeah. Um, 
And I'm always a proponent of going bigger. That was actually one of the biggest mistakes I made when I first started my portfolio was I thought that there was safety in smaller sizes. It's actually the opposite. Bigger deals are safer because you can you can make a mistake and that, that gross revenue will uh, will be the pad that you land on. The small deals, if your gross revenue isn't, is, you know, it's much less than if you have one broken sink, one toilet, it's going to cut into that, you know, the 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 profits of that deal. So bigger deals are safer, um, regardless of what you may think. If you want to, if you want to get started, go big, just like, right, uh, right. just like we're seeing here. Um, so there's two routes that I kind of want to take. You've, you mentioned that you're starting a fund. I would love to ask about that. Um, before we do that though, you are in a new market. You're out there in Southern California. So that means that you've definitely, you've looked at your market, you've looked at the, the economy in general, and you feel like you're in a good place to position yourself. Um, let's just talk about where the, you think that the real estate market is going. Um, you know, we're, we're in, it's 2023, January, 2023. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about, um, you know, a major recession, things getting even worse than they are right now. What do you see for the next year, next two years, uh, when it comes to, to market prices for real estate? That's a great question. That really is. Um, you know, cause there's two, there's two schools of thought, right. Depending on what people are investing in. So you know, we look at multifamily assets like 80 to 120 units and, and now looking a little bit larger. So that's a fifth, you know, 30 to 50 million dollar assets, you know, that that price points. But that's all based on on the income of the asset. So, you know, in the market that I'm in, like San Diego, California, some of these really tighter markets, you know, I don't see the values going down based on the incomes per se, but I do see the the owners of those assets that have had them for a while, especially like flippers, indicators, you know, uh, fund managers who took on assets and said, hey, we're going to cash out in three years, five years. We're going to pay off our investors, whatever it is that they're going to do. Uh, I think in 2023, the maturity on a lot of those loans, which is what we're after on some of these bigger guys and these syndicators that kind of got in to do a value add play and then exit out, whether they're refinancing or, or recapitalizing through sale, that is going to be the new influx of deals so i think that's going to be more of a dictator you know naturally as rates you know as the rates have risen up cap rates are going to go up a little bit but you know depending on the market you're in like here you know the rates are the, the commercial rates right now are what six and seven somewhere in there for the bigger deals um, but the cap rates are still people are still trying to get that four cap you know people are yeah. offering five. but here's what it's people ridiculous in my in my mind it's like it doesn't make any sense well, what people are going to miss out on, and this is what I learned about Hawaii, deals that didn't make sense, had I just bought them, I would have mm. I would have been crushing it right now. That's why I got here and I was like, people are going to miss the opportunity because they're watching they're watching the wrong thing. Mm. Yeah, I'm not saying that you know you want to buy something at cap rates, you know, like you know, like ridiculously lower than, than your stuff. I mean, that's a negative yield. But what I'm talking about is like, you know, which is what I tell people, like, look at the location. You know, try to grab the best location you can because some of these better, bigger quality, better quality assets, bigger, you know, in amounts of number of units at a better location, um, they're not going to trade at a seven or eight or nine. Like, like they're just not ever. Yeah. Yeah. They can. I, I looked at it like if you look at anybody's documents once, you you know, and I, I had to learn this. Right. Because I'm really an operator kind of pretending to be a finance guy. Um, but when I was like, hey, when I structured our fund, because our fund's already launched as a $50 million fund, I was like, hey, these are the returns we got to promise our investors. So when I looked at other people's fund documents and I was like, oh, they got to give them the same thing, 20 percent, 
you know, like they're, you know, they're taking a 20% thing. They got to give these guys 6% preferred return. You know, then you just reverse engineer it and go, okay, well, even on an asset that seems to be overpriced, you can go into any, you know, broker and say, hey, I love this deal. And here's what I'm willing to offer for it, knowing the fact that they've had to either, you know, satisfy investor returns only 6%, even if they don't get the double up, um, or they're going to forego 20% of the profit because that was theirs and they just want to give their investors their capital and exit the deal and keep playing that game. So it, 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 that's going to offer the opportunity on properties that probably most small investors will never get access to because they'll have to sell, you know, or an institution will have to do, you know, they'll write down the value of their property based on market valuations and stuff like that for the portfolios, get a list and go, you know what, get rid of all this stuff at the bottom of the list. It's got to go. Yep. Right. Yep. That, that makes sense. Um, so I just took a peek at the clock. We are running it down before we move on to the next section, though. I do want to ask about your fund. Um, you know, it sounds like this is the first time you put one together. I've never put a fund together. So uh, so you're going to be teaching me in this this situation. Um, so tell us, how did the process go? What made you decide to to create a fund? And uh, and yeah, just give us the overview of how it went. Yeah. OK, so. <laughs> First, I found a deal. <laughs> mm. I found a great deal. And, uh, you know, I had, you know, I spent a lot of time, you know, building relationship with brokers, getting them to call you back on some of these bigger deals is like an art and a science in itself. So I went to some of my other investors that I've done a lot of deals with. And I was like, hey, check this deal out, man. It's awesome. It's, you know, it's 128 units, great location. This thing is beautiful, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, oh, we got to get it for cheaper. And I was like, man, I don't. They know, always where? say that. <laughs> yeah. They're like, you know, and I had negotiated the deal, but I was kind of in the, I was kind of, you know, throw my letter of intent on the table. And um, the more they were like, ah, you got to get this and you got to bring this down and we got to get this. And I started making me realize, I was like, you know, um, these guys just don't have the money. Mm -hmm. Rather than tell me, hey, Vic, I don't have the capital for that. Um, they just beat the deal up and they made me feel that like I was an idiot. And I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, I know yeah. so right. <laughs> So, you know, after having those conversations a few times and they were asking for a little bit higher returns, lower prices, price points. And, and I was just like, you know what? There has to be another way around this. Like I like it's not the deal. It's not me. It's not none of that stuff. And then I started looking around at what other people are doing and they were either syndicating or they started a fund. This is before I had even considered it. I was just going to put a partnership together. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, yeah, that was it. So I was like, you know, why don't I just syndicate the deal? So I started talking to some other people. But. You know, even in syndication is transactional, which that was my commitment when we left Hawaii. I was like, I'm over chasing deals down. I want to sit yeah. on the other side. Of the table. So I talked to a few of my buddies who actually had a fund who like, I'm sure probably like most people find out it's so taboo. It's like, what'd you do? And they're like, oh, I just did this. And you're listening to them. You're like, uh, OK. <laughs> um, so really, I taught myself I was like, I would put into Google, like whatever company, you know, fund one PDF and then click it. And at mm. some point, because a lot of this stuff is all over online and it's public information, you can read them. So I just started, I read enough of them for them to all start to really look the same. Yeah. Uh, and then I called one of my attorneys that I had worked with in the past when I was going to do a syndication and we didn't do it. And I was like, hey, here's what I want to do. And, you know, they told me and I was like, what if I just did a fund? And they're like, yeah, you could. And I was like, all right, how much does that cost? Like, that's really the gist of it. And then they were like, oh, you're going to raise money here. You're going to do this. And then I just stroked the check and did the paperwork. And they were like, you know, everyone else was like, don't like a lot of my buddies were like, don't do it. You know, don't, you know, don't, you know, like just learn first, do this, do a deal. And I was like, I'm already doing deals for myself. 
I'm just going to use my money, start a fund. And just like I did in the beginning, hurt my way through it because I know the mm-hmm. real estate and I can yep. bring on professionals to manage the capital. And, you know, where's the capital allocating? I, you know, we're not raising money for someone else. We're raising money for us. So the level of trust in where that money is going into our deals is way bigger. Yep. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I, I, how I started. I totally uh, connect with kind of how that got started. I, I had that same thing ha- um, happen to me. I was, you know, working with individual um, JV partners to, you know, I'd go to guys with high net worth guys who wanted to partner on deals. Um, and I had a really good one and I knew it was good. And I went to, I went to one of my, you know, partners, uh, my capital partners who, who generally likes these kind of deals. And he said, you know, no, it's just, it's not good enough, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, no, I know this is a good deal. Um, I ended up losing out on that deal and they, you know, they had it under contract days after for, for more than I had it under contract for. And I was like, right. man, that, we just lost out on the deal of the century, but it just made me realize it's, yeah, it's because they don't have capital, um, whatever their reason, but the, the solution is to do something like a syndication or a fund or anything like that. So. Yeah. That, that deal I brought to my, to my buddies um, and traded for 19, which is what I thought I was going to trade for 19 million at the time, which now looking back, you know, they're like, dang. Um, and when I talked to the broker, I was like, hey, what do you think that's performing at? Because he controlled the deal on both sides. And I was like, what do you think the NOI is now? And he was like, they've exceeded the NOI for where it needed to be. Um, so based on valuation, you know, at the time, and I called my buddies, and I was like, it's, they were like, they're gonna, if they come back to market, they'll come back to market probably somewhere around 27 to you know, 20 million. Damn. And that was less than three years. Damn. Uh, and my buddies was like, ah, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. Remember that next time. All right. Well, Victor, that does wrap up our time. Um, I'm going to have to push us into the quick question round. Are you ready? Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's do it. It starts with books. I'm a big bookie. So give me two recommendations, one for general life wisdom, one for real estate specific. Oh, wow. Um, general life wisdom. I haven't read a general life wisdom book. <laughs> that's, that's fair enough. It can be from any, it doesn't have to be books. If you like podcasts, if you like, you know, discovery channel, whatever, um, any recommendation for general life wisdom and then one for, uh, for real estate. Yeah, you know what? Honestly, uh, probably the best book I read, to be honest with you, was The Power of Now at the time when I was yep. doing Oh, yeah, Eckhart Tolle. That's a, it's a great book. I had so much money, I felt empty. <laughs> 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 but, but yeah, but that was a good one for me because it kind of made me look at what I was doing to go, you know, kind of settle in a little bit and focus, mm-hmm. you know, not just on, on on my business, but on myself and my family, my wife and my kids. Perfect. Um, so, yeah. I love it. How about for real estate? Real estate book. Um, you know, ironically, the book is called Invest. It's an audible. It's an audio book, audible book by um, I think one of the guys from the Carlisle group. Okay. Um, he it's new, actually. And I really like that book. And it's not just real estate. I mean, Sam Zell's on there. And I think um, um, uh, Gray from Blackstone's on there. And they're kind of talking mm-hmm. about their journey, about being a good investor. But there's, you know, Larry Fink and all those big guys. But that's a really good listen if somebody's going to use a book and just just think about it like real estate alone, because we're all raising capital. We're all looking at assets. And what do the bigger people do? And then take a look at our own thing. So that was a great book for me. Cool. I love it. Invest. All right. That leads us to the next one. Uh, This is for your younger self. So let's go back to the victor who was just getting started in real estate. He was just doing that first deal. Um, 
back in, we didn't even get a year, way back when. Uh, yeah, go back to him, look him in the yeah. eye, give him one piece of advice moving forward. Spend more time raising money than finding deals. Great advice. Really great advice. Get Because once you have the money, you can find a deal. Um, well, I guess they're, they're both hurdles that you have to overcome, but uh, uh, having the money is definitely definitely one of the hardest, harder deal or harder hurdles to overcome. Um, yeah. All right, that leads us to the next one. This is Superman's strengths. We are all gifted with strengths that we uniquely give this world. So what is your Superman strength? Persistence. That is the one thing that I have on my side. I'm not smart, but I won't stop. So, you know, it's actually hurt me sometimes too. <laughs> yeah, but it is a, it's one of the strengths you absolutely need in real estate is to be persistent because things never go the way that you think they're going to go. Um, so you got to have that persistence to just keep going when, when shit hits the fan. Absolutely. All right. And that leads us to the next question. This is mentors. None of us are islands. We all stand on the shoulders of giants. So who is one mentor who has contributed significantly to your career today? You know, my wife, Sharon, she's been a great mentor to me. Um, she tolerates me. I'm not an easy pill to swallow. <laughs> and um, sometimes she tells me stuff which, you know, what I need to hear and be honest with you, she's magic. She just literally lays in the bed because she's a realtor. And she's like, you know what? I think I'm going to get a lead tomorrow. And her phone will ring off the hook and she'll come dancing out of the room and be like, I got one. And I'm like, man, that never worked for me. <laughs> so I'm going to get a deal tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but she's been a great mentor for me because again, we, you know, she's my best friend and we talk a lot and um, she kind of tells me the things that I need to hear in the moment. Um, and I, and, you know, and, and, that that's there's tons of them naturally, but she's the one that's closest to me that understands me the most. So yep. awesome. I love that. And yeah, and significant others, they can uh, they definitely see you the most often and they often see what you don't see. So their advice is usually, even if it's a tough pill to swallow in that moment, it is uh it's the right advice to uh to the moment. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That leads us to the next question. This is the United States. It's a big place. A lot of square miles out there to invest in. So give me one metro you're most excited about investing in. San Diego County. All right. San Diego. I San literally Diego. packed everything and moved here for that purpose. I really believe in it. I think it's going to be, you know, over the next 10 years, it's going to it's going to be the new Miami, that whole craze that happened where people were ex were leaving and stuff like that. Just from what you know, I see by being on the ground, not just reading the media, um, that's going to be huge. So that's a place to continue to watch and invest in for people interested, guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. And San Diego is such a beautiful city. It's a it's a great place to be. Absolutely. I love it. All right, that moves us to the second last question. Uh, this is about tools. Tools are the backbone of every business. So what is one tool you could not live without? My phone. I, I know that sounds crazy, but my cell phone, like the fact that I can pick up my phone, I can talk to anybody pretty much that I want to on the planet, you know, go to LinkedIn, Facebook, get in contact with them, any broker, any owner, like, and I'm a phone guy. So my phone is the number one tool that's making contact and, and having a conversation with another human being. Those are important. So that's yep. the number. Yep, that makes sense. Uh, actually, I had a, an older gentleman on the podcast a while ago, and that was just what I um, what I was saying. It's just like, how'd you guys do business before there were smartphones? I just don't get it. It's just <laughs> blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That leads us to the very last question. You've given us a lot of good advice, a lot of things for people to think about. I'm sure people want to reach out, get in contact with you. What is the best way for them to do that? Sure. They can 
Well, a couple of ways. So they can go to bell-capital.com. That's our website. And uh, on there, it's a schedule a call thing. Um, or they can get started and kind of like go to the investor portal and, and take a look at the fund and the fund documents and the offering. Um, they can email me directly at victor at bell-capital.com. And be honest with you, like I just said, my phone, I mean, I eat my own dog food. Like people want to give me a call. It's 808-778-1326. And um, I tend to answer. And if I don't, I tend to call people right back. They're welcome to text me like, hey, Vic, what do you have or what do you need? Um, so, yeah. And then I also have a book if they want to go to that. It's bell-capital.com slash book. And it's a free download. It's easy. You just put your name and email in there and click a button and the download pops right up. So um, so that's it. But I'm pretty easy. Literally, you can just Google me and my number pops up everywhere. I'm not hiding. Uh, you know, hopefully as my my firm continues to grow, I'm always going to be accessible no matter what. So, um, you know, that that's the business I want to run. I like that. Perfect. Sounds good. 808 number. That's Hawaii right there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a spam number. It's real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Bell-capital.com. I will put that URL in the show notes. So if y'all want to reach out to Victor, just go ahead and click a little more in the description. We'll pull down the full description and in there you can find Victor's URL. Right on, Victor. Well, that wraps it up. Thank you very much for hopping on the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me, man. This is a great show. What you're doing for people out there is awesome. I wish I had this when I got started. That would have been, that would have, you know, accelerated what I was doing because I would have had more people that were listening and guys like yourself putting this out for people. Man, it's awesome. So I appreciate you for doing this. I really do. Yep, absolutely. I appreciate that. Uh, for everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. So if you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe, at the real estate investing club.com. And if you guys want to support the podcast, all we ask is that you give us a like, share, subscribe, all that jazz on uh, Apple, whatever you're listening this to this on. Other than that, I hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic week. Keep rocking real estate. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.